How do you react when they just don't listen? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. This week we have a double-header, the parshas of Chukas and Balak. Those of you in Israel, you read Chukas last week, and just Balak this coming Shabbat, and we'll be all caught up together, and in the parsha of Chukas that you read and that we're reading this week, one of the tragic episodes, is the episode that led to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses' era, master not being able to gain entry to the land of Israel. Basic storyline, we're in the desert toward the end of our stay in the desert, and we have lost our source of hydration. The well that has been accompanying us throughout the desert, miraculously moving with us location to location, has stopped providing water. It stopped right after the death of Miriam, indicating a connection towards juxtaposing these two, indicating that, as is often referred to, this well was to the merit of Miriam, referred to as the Be'er Miriam, and it was to, through her spiritual credit that we warranted this miracle. She has passed away, miracle stops, the well is turned off, and we are without water in the desert. Not a good combination. We reflect that concern, we, we challenge an element of chutzpah on our part in the level of the challenge and in the way it's articulated, and this generates an outcome that creates a problem for Moshe. Moshe is told by God to take his staff and to approach a rock and to elicit water from that rock with speech. Through some level of error, Moshe, who had been told to take the staff and who Interestingly, at our entry into the desert, initially triggered that wells providing the water from the get-go. It had been a stone that God told Moshe and Beshalach to strike. God told him to strike that stone and bring out the water. With that in the back of his mind and the fact he was told to take the staff and the fact that Moshe was aggravated. He talks to the Jewish people referring to them as Shimunah HaMorim, you rebels. He's riled up, he's angry at our reaction to this lack of water, our mistrust of God in this crisis, and that allows him to make an error. And rather than 100% precision in following God's directive and speaking, he adds another component of striking the rock. Now, bear in mind, if you or I are in the desert and strike a rock, I don't know that you can expect there's going to be a water supply coming forth from that rock. And we're not talking here about, oh, you cracked a rock somehow and exposed a little bit of water. Water to sustain the entire nation, a population of about 3 million, and their flocks for the next period of time, for the next months in the desert. So, again, if you or I did this, maybe you. If I did this, I cannot expect it would generate that reaction. And clearly there's a miracle happening over here. And clearly God is connecting what Moshe is doing in some positive way. That's generating the reaction of bringing out the water. But it was not the pure positive. There was something missing over here. Moshe, on his level of near perfection, faltered. Torah doesn't teach us the stories of perfect people, hard to learn from perfect people. It teaches us the stories of human 
people, people who have the capacity to make an error. But we must bear in mind that we're in a very relative sense of what we mean by error. You know, for a Moshe to make an error, you know, if you give the metaphor, if you have a cinder block and you somehow scratch that cinder block and you make a millimeter gash in the top of that cinder block, it is probably going to be of no consequence in the value of that cinder block. If you have a piece of furniture, a nice piece of furniture, make a gash that's a millimeter deep, might knock off a few tens or perhaps hundreds of dollars in the value of that piece of furniture. If you have a perfectly faceted two-carat diamond and you manage to make a gash a millimeter deep in that diamond, you are probably changing the value by thousands of dollars. The more perfect, the greater the concern of the slightest flaw. And on a Moshe's level of near perfection, this flaw is a big deal and it has major ramifications. <clears throat> if only our great success stories matched some of Moshe's few flaws. But that's the reality. The Torah does not preach that there's infallibility, but rather human beings are susceptible to make errors. And the lessons relate to their reaction to their own errors, their correction, the process of their reattachment to God, God's reaction to their errors, and that's what we learn from. And I'd like to use this scene, the scene of Moshe, the authority, with his frustration at those of us who are just not getting it, we're making an error, we're not listening his reaction to us with that element of, of, of frustration building up inside of himself, leading to an error, to relate to those parallels in our world. Again, the parallel is quite remote from Moshe's own very sublime, elevated existence and his very subtle failures. But how they translate into our lives, we find ourselves in situations where they're just not getting it. They're just not listening. Don't they realize that I know better? Don't they realize that I can help advise, encourage, direct, and for some reason they are not receptive, not responding appropriately? And how we react and how we salvage or unfortunately lose the ability to provide whatever it is that we're trying to provide those others who are in a moment just not following, not adhering, not, not listening. You're in a position at work and like, don't they understand that you've got more experience and you, you've got the know-how and you've been through this situation and you could direct the others. You are coming home and, and you know the, the kids, don't you realize that it's your best interest to take your guidance from me? I'm older. I've been there before. I was facing similar situations. And don't you know that ultimately... I do know better, as you say that, by the way. Often what's coming to mind is when your parents said that and you rolled your eyes, and now you're thinking, well, for some reason, my, my kids should know better. They should understand better that I do know better than I knew about my parents knowing better, but that's the side point. There are times that, in fact, you do have information that the other party should be listening to, not even addressing those cases that okay, maybe that should be reason to pause and ponder. Well, maybe the reason they're holding back is because I'm wrong. But let's even talk only in those situations. You really know, objectively, you are right. You have what to share with those juniors at work or the newcomer into that environment or the children. And it's in their 
ultimate best interest, in their health interest, in their social best interest, in their educational interest, and you have that information, they're just not getting that they should be listening to you. And how do you react? And how do you react in a way that protects against totally losing the capacity to take the next step forward toward having them listen? Because the defense mechanism that kicks in when I feel threatened and therefore I start getting more agitated, more disturbed, more frustrated, is probably not going to create the positive energy that's going to allow you to salvage the moment. And human nature is such, we've got that evil inclination, the Eitzahara, who loves when we get a little hot under the collar. Kaas, anger, is one of the most destructive forces in the world, and he loves when we start exhibiting any of it. And I'm talking about even on the most subtle and shallow levels of that temper and frustration and angst. And if that starts building up over there, we can pretty much expect that whoever it is that we are trying to impress and encourage is going to create a further distance and a less likely adherence and and positive reaction. We can protect against that by avoiding focus on me. Keeping this outside of ourself. Now, it's not easy. They didn't listen to me. They're supposed to respect me. And let's even say they are supposed to respect you. Let's even say it's a mitzvah for them to respect you. It is your child, and they have a Torah mandate to respect you. But guess what? If this becomes the moment to educate them in that mitzvah, probably going to be a very um, limited educational experience. Because when you try to impress upon somebody that mitzvah to respect you while you're in a moment of challenge, it's not going to come across as I'm purely doing this as an educational uh, lesson for you and in your spiritual best interest. It's going to come across as dad or mom uh, are just focusing on themselves. They, they, They are selfishly needing me to respect them. That's not how you educate in the mitzvah. So I would recommend the person in work, they really should be noting that you've got a greater authority. The person in this communal structure, they should understand that you are at the top of the hierarchy of this position, the leadership position, and that they should be acknowledging that. And it's appropriate that they really should. But in this moment, where right now there's a tension that you are trying to get them to acknowledge something and they're not acknowledging if you start focusing on anything that in any way feels, smells, seems like there is self at stake, then it's not going to be, it's not going to create the positive energy necessary to have them accept the information that you're trying to share. If instead you can focus on the goal, I'm totally focused on the benefit of you gaining this information. I'm totally focused on the benefit to yourself, to the family, to the corporation, to the institution, to the organization, to the board of directors. I'm, I'm focused on the fact that the information has to be absorbed for that ultimate goal, keeping it outside of me, keeping objective, much more likely that you can find a way to, in that calm, readdress and rediscuss and help orient them towards understanding that. But it's hard to do that 
Because what's motivating yourself to, to feel defensive, to feel threatened, and to start exercising your, uh, your air of authority to demand that respect? That little guy, that Yetzirah, that evil inclination, that is eager to have this become an issue of your ego so that he can capitalize on that and turn this into a moment of chaos, of anger. Well, maybe we can outsmart him by focusing on ego, focusing on elevating your ego, but in a different way. And my suggestion is to focus on the fact that I'm starting to feel threatened, I'm just feeling small, I'm feeling reduced, I'm feeling petty in their eyes. I am too big to let that bother me. I really am the person of authority over here. And I will find a different context in which to help them understand why they need to know that. As far as the legal realities of how things operate on this board, as far as the necessary structure and the hierarchy of this team at work, as far as the myths that they do have of honoring father and mother, I'm going to find the opportunity to help them understand that, but in a different context than maybe through a third party. But right now, my goal is this goal. My goal is the information I'm trying to share. My goal is that the kids do brush their teeth, or this person does file their support, or this individual does um, understand what it is that we need to be voting on, or, or understand why this is the right directive for our organization or our company. And I, I need to focus on that objective element. I'm so big that I can do that. I'm so big that I'm not going to let the personal become a factor here. I'm so big that self isn't the issue. And if I can do that, I may have the Yitzhahara, that evil inclination, throw in the towel. Because he's focused. He was trying to use ego to turn this into an issue of a battle, an issue of wrath and anger, and to have me start wielding my stick inappropriately. But instead, I'm going to keep that speaking softly. And I'm the person who has the authority to carry that big stick, but I don't need to use it. And I don't even need to threaten it because I have that internal recognition of the who I am. Kind of twist it, turn it on, the, and have the element of ego come to protect against my feeling threatened and all the negative energy that that will generate. Love to hear any other thoughts on this. Always send me messages, coaching at, um, uh, at gmail.com or myprice at gmail.com. Let me know how you protect yourself from letting emotion get the best of you when they just don't listen. I think if we manage to keep self out of the picture and any other techniques that you have that would help do that, we can come to a situation that when they started off not listening, we can protect ourselves and have the energy allow that eventually I'll help them come around to listening. If we can do that without generating the anger, without generating the, the negative vibes that simply get in the way of them hearing me because I've created such a barrier, but if instead I can remain calm and create a closeness, then we'll be able to impress upon others what it is that we do have to share with them that they should be hearing and that we want to educate them, keeping those goals in mind, will be all the more likely to be successful in not only 
helping to share and inspire others and, and provide them whatever it is that our positions of authority do warrant that we, we give them. And by the way, quick note over here, you don't have to be the CEO of a major corporation or even be parenting a child for this to be relevant. There are simply situations that you're out to coffee with a friend and there is a piece of advice that you really feel is to their benefit to understand and there's an initial barrier against it. There's something, you know, again, they're not interested in your advice that would be to their health interest or their financial interest or their marital interest or their social interest. Right now, they have other things that are getting in the way of that and you're starting to feel, wait a minute, don't they understand that I know better? I really, really do know this in their best interest, but to block the negative energy that that might generate and allow instead, okay, regroup, reframe, find a different way to present it or even a different time to present it, but not let there be that negative energy. You do that, we all of them are likely to be able to share with those that we should be sharing, help them when we can be helping them, and on our own front, be all the more likely to achieve our tachlis.